Hello, hello, hello. So before I go into the next episode of the podcast, I'm really excited to announce that the new intake for the Female Fat Loss Program is now open. So it will be starting on the 7th of August. And it's perfect if you are just coming back from holidays and ready to kind of get back into things and the swing of things just before the school starts. So if you are interested in it, so it involves a six-week program, You'll get tailored calories, tailored programs with workout videos. You will have a Facebook group Facebook group to keep you accountable. You'll have me to keep you accountable. You'll have weekly check-ins. You will have weekly lives with me and that will answer your questions and Q&As. And it's amazing. And there's no foods off limits there. We're literally working for a weekly calorie average. So it's an amazing program and the, the, how good it's been since we started, since I started launching it is to say that 50% of those who've come from and that's at this date is that people who started up in June, 50% of those are going into the August one already. So that's saying that it is, and that's not, that's only halfway through. So those 50% have, have renewed. So that's how amazing the results have been so far. So if you're interested in working with me in a in the Female Fat Loss Program starting on the 7th of August, the price is 169 so 169 for six weeks and the the link is in the write-up and we're starting on the 7th of august and everything will be sent over to you the friday beforehand looking forward to seeing you there if you do sign up you won't regret it so welcome to the next q a so thank you for everyone who has sent in the questions so anyone who hasn't listened to the q a style episodes before they are questions that are sent in from the female fat loss groups and we've got two groups running alongside each other at the minute one is kind of about on week five and the, the first one had their first check-ins this week and it's amazing to see the changes that are, are happening with the mentality around food the mentality around things in general which is fantastic to see so long may it continue so some of the questions that kind of came in from you guys was in relation to iron supplementation and the difficulties with digesting so i will take medical advice on this and i want you to take medical advice on that i'm not a doctor i will give you the information as much as i have and have researched on it but i will always stay in my lane on that side of things then the one of the questions that kind of came in was what's more important fiber or protein and then the next question was in relation to fiber which seems to be a hot topic right now for you guys is will fiber increase my water retention and that's a really interesting question. I've never had that question before. And then the other question is hard to stay motivated uh, with exercise and sleep. I feel so much hunger during when I have night shifts. And night shifts was an episode, I think it's episode 162 that was covered beforehand. So I hopefully that will help as well, but I'll go through that. And then the other one was, should I have a fat target in relation to the actual food? So should I have a target for my fats? if you know what I mean. So fats is in like butter and avocado and salmon, not actually have a body fat percentage. So that's what we're going to go through today. So the first question that we'll talk about is in relation to with iron and digesting. And I think it's important to make sure that with iron and digesting around iron, it is very, very important that you do get, make sure that you are getting your iron checked. If you have heavy periods, and you feel fatigued or you you potentially are easily bruised, it could be that there's premenstrual fatigue there as well for you. And it's important for you to make sure that they're, they're to get tested and see if there is an iron deficiency. And that can be also an element of PMS and that side of things as well. You are particularly at risk of it is if, if you have kind of heavier periods that like if, if your period is quite heavy, it's, it's not a normal period. 
um, by the book. And if you suspect iron deficiency, some of the symptoms that could be looked like are breathlessness and easy bruising. But it is important that you go and get your doctor to make sure that they're testing for iron and also for serum ferritin. Uh, so that's really, really important as well. And serum ferritin is actually the blood test for for actually stored iron in the actual body at that time. Your body also may need to test your actual iron or ferritin levels as well. But and it's important to see if it's in within range. If it's low, what the way that'll bump it up quicker may be through the supplementation through it rather than through the nutrient stuff. If it's borderline, talk to your doctor on that side of things, but supplementation will get it back up to a regular um, level quicker than potentially aiming for food on that side of things. So like the importance of iron in the body cannot really, really be downplayed at all. Like it transports the oxygen in your blood and supports the supports the, the production of thyroid hormone around your body and if you're looking for what the thyroid is it's the kind of like this butterfly shape in your throat and it regulates your actual metabolism so if your thyroid is underactive so then it's it's your metabolism will be a little bit slower than it should be and if it's overactive or hyperactive which like an overactive child well then your metabolism will be a little bit quicker um, so, but if you're on adequate medications for your thyroid meds, you will have the, and you're getting those checked and you're on the proper meds, you will be to the adequate level and you won't have any slower metabolism, faster metabolism, that element of it. But it's really, really important to know that. So if you are kind of, one of the big questions then kind of came in in relation to the side of things in relation to what about kind of like irritability with the stomach, because some people can have that. And it's it's important to make sure that you are being looked after on that side of things as well and one of the things that kind of can come in with and if it does upset your, upset your stomach you can take it with take it with or after your foods and a doctor and a pharmacist are the two people you could should link in with on this and they may recommend taking ferrous sulfate with orange juice or vitamin c supplement as well so the vitamin c is actually believed to increase the amount of iron absorbed in the body and you can take the tablet with a capsule or a glass of water was what they would recommend so make sure that you are talking to your doctor make sure you are talking to your pharmacist on that side of things so what actually is ferrous sulfate so ferrous sulfate is a medicine used to treat and prevent iron deficiency anemia and so as i get once again like iron actually helps to transport the and make the body and the healthy red blood cells that which carry around the oxygen do things and make the body healthy um, some things such as blood loss, pregnancy or too little iron in your diet can make your iron supply too low leading to anemia which is what it's called. So ferrous sulfate tablets come in as a form, they come as drops that you can easily swallow as well and there are also, they're also modified release tablets as well and capsules of ferrous sulfate as well but they may not be well absorbed as the other ones as well. They're normally available on prescription so you will need to talk to your doctor on that side of things they may work better on a the ferrous sulfate tablets may work better on a, on a empty stomach but they may give you a stomach ache and you may want to try it after taking food as well but it can people begin to may feel begin the may feel may begin to feel better about 
kind of like taking them for like one week but it may take up to four weeks to see a difference as well and some people can feel that they may feel sick or constipated or diarrhea maybe the other extreme effect that they may have as well so who can or can't take the sulfate the ferrous sulfate and this is based off what the nhs have said uh, which is who can't take it and that's most adults and some children age 12 over can't take so cannot take it uh without the prescription or advice of a doctor and it may not be suitable for everyone if you've had an allergic reaction in the past then it's not for you if you have a different type of anemia uh, that is not caused by low levels of iron it's not for you you have other conditions like uh, hemochromatosis that may not it may not be for you if you have a condition that affects your red blood cells such as sickle cell anemia then it's not for you if you have stomach ulcer or have had part of your stomach removed or bowel problems or, or inflammatory bowel disease it's not for you if you are receiving repeated trans blood transfusions it's not for you if you've noticed blood in your pee and if you've been diagnosed with iron divisions or already receiving treatment then it's not for you so you will need to talk to the doctor on that side of things so generally the foot sulfate itself comes in a kind of a 200 milligram tablet and there the or there's drops as well and the the drops actually contain about 125 milligrams of ferrous sulfate in each one milliliter and the drops if if a child has been recommended for them or if some people may find an issue with kind of like swallowing a tablet the drops may be easier it's looking at how much are we how much are we kind of taking with um to treat it so based off the NHS and stuff they kind of say the usual dosage for an adult is one tablet of 200 milligrams uh, taken two to three times a day and drops of four milliliters taken to it uh, once or twice a day to treat anemia and to prevent anemia 200 milligrams twice are taken once a day and drops 2.4 milliliters to 4.8 milliliters daily but you that's not me giving out those dosages that's me giving you the information that's out there I am not a doctor so please do not take this as medical advice so it may work on a better on an empty stomach you can take vitamin c or you may need as that might increase that kind of side of things in relation to the the iron absorption into the body but if it's in relation to the digestion thing taking on an empty stomach vitamin c absorption might help us because it, it increase the amount that it's absor absorbed go for the talk to your doctor and maybe go for the supplementation rather than the kind of the food the foods and stuff like that would be the likes of of eggs and stuff like that there are other options like iron biglycinate as well which is is is, is one of those as well uh red meat eggs are the foods where i have those um there's nothing wrong with eggs if you listen back to the orla walsh episode um sub supplements may actually contain more than you actually need so it has to be taken into account as well and if you feel that it's kind of like excessive you need to talk to your doctor on that side of things and yeah my recommendation for anyone dealing with the iron digestion and iron absorption thing is i'll give you the information but you have to talk to your doctor like they have you have to talk to your doctor about what is the recommendation on that side of things for you so hopefully that has helped on that side of things the next question is in relation to kind of what's more important fiber or protein one it depends on the goal and two i would probably include both so fiber are like whole grains plants vegetables fruit that side of things 
protein is likes of chicken, meat, adame, kidney beans, beans, mince, fish, that sort of stuff. So it's important to look at it from a point of view of, I would probably include both. There is research supporting that they both have massive benefits. So if it's a weight loss journey, which most people who listen to this are on some sort of weight loss journey or trying to do a weight loss journey, there are studies showing that higher protein diets are more beneficial during a weight loss diet in relation to holding on to muscle mass. So when an awful lot of people go out on a diet, they kind of forget that they need. it shouldn't be all about the scales dropping because that's just fat loss. That's just weight loss. That's not holding on to your muscle. If you have little or no muscle, you're going to look frail. You're going to look gaunt and muscle helps to protect and the body to recover so we need muscles in our body like it's really really important that we have muscles in our body and protein helps to hold on to our muscles as we get older particularly for women they may be more prone to the likes of osteoporosis osteopenia brittle bone syndrome and sarcopenia so it's important that protein isn't is included in your diets from an early age helps to keep you fuller helps to build muscle helps to repair the muscle it's harder to it's 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 it keeps you fuller for longer which an awful lot of people don't realize as well there's studies comparing higher protein diets to lower carb diets the individuals lost the same amount of weight but the bone the the muscle mass in those who went low carb was quite considerably higher so the muscle loss was a lot considerably higher and i don't think that's taken into effect with an awful lot of people they just feel that they want to lose weight as quick as possible but that's not a benefit either that's kind of like going from dublin to galway or london to glasgow in your car as fast as possible but you're gonna end up crashing into a wall if you don't take the the speed precautions if you know what i mean so it's important for the protein to be in your diet if you're on a weight loss journey protein so normally the recommendation was 0.8 grams per kg but now they've changed the recommendation to one gram per kg of body weight if you're looking to train alongside that i would probably aim to above 1.1.5 grams per kg of body weight but if you're working with a coach that's worked worth their their kind of like their salt and anything in, in this side of things they'll give you a target if you think of it like a pyramid and the base of the pyramid is the most important the top of the pyramid is the minimum important if you think about calories is number one then it's kind of going into towards kind of like your protein is next and up near the top is fiber so fiber is not overly important when it comes to the overall effects on weight loss but fiber has a massive impact on the likes of health and the likes of cardiovascular health or the likes of heart health the likes of digestion the likes of minerals the likes of vitamins and stuff like that into your body so fiber will also help to keep you fuller longer so if you think of your stomach like a plastic bag if you throw if you put in vegetables into it it takes up more space in the body or in the sorry in the stomach in the stomach lining so what that does then is it will keep you fuller for longer so you may not want as much as so if you've got more protein and more veggies into your diet and more whole grains and fruit and stuff like that into your diet you're probably going to want less food because you are listening to your body you are listening to the fullness hormones you're listening to that side of things going to keep you fuller for longer that's why it's always advised to go higher protein higher veggies 
to aim for a target there's different ranges there's different targets i think it's in america anywhere between 20 and 35 is probably 20 20 to 35 grams a day is pretty safe option i would just my tool with clients on a daily basis would be is your plate colorful make your plate colorful as possible and if you want to try a, a, like a, a cheap and cheerful way of getting more fiber and veggies in is the likes of chia seeds, flax seeds, the likes of frozen veggies. Frozen veggies hold their nutrients more than fresh veggies. But would I rely on them all the time? No. But I would try and kind of variety will help you on that side of things. So what's more important, fiber or protein? It depends on the goal. Would I aim to include both of those? 100%. They both have benefits. They both have... They both have massive benefits in relation to cholesterol the massive benefit fiber has a massive benefit in relation to heart health cholesterol fullness helps to uh, get minerals and vitamins into your body that you may not be able to get and if you're deficient in something it could be that you, like no one should really be supplementing with anything they're not deficient in a supplement supplements a diet so i know with the, the iron thing is a little bit different is what i have said but that's a little bit different when iron it's a little bit more complicated so i'd recommend to go to the doctor on that again but we shouldn't be supplementing anything that we're not necessarily deficient in so get bloods done if you're supplement supplementing with vitamin c if you got half a pepper a day into your diet you probably are getting an adequate vitamin c into your diet so if you're making stir fries and stuff like that throw in throw in the peppers into it and you're getting adequate vitamin c into your diet vitamin d i'd probably recommend people to supplement we don't get enough sunshine in this country and the sunshine vitamin really really helps to keep up your mood your energy that side of stuff alongside managing stress sleep the really unsexy stuff that no one wants to do um and then you've got it like sort of other supplements that are out there omegas <clears throat> omegas which are kind of like the oily fish like salmon and mackerel so if you're not getting two of those a week i would recommend to get those in okay so sorry i just took a drink of water so if you listen to the podcast probably the first time i've ever done that then in relation to kind of will fiber increase from our water attention so you may notice that if you've gone up weight after a glass of water or rich high fiber snack or it's normal but you shouldn't be really weighing yourself after food anyway the best time and the place is to weigh yourself first thing in the morning before food before water and after you've gone for number two so water and fiber won't and don't cause permanent weight gain in fact they're often linked to weight loss and if you're if you're if you're experiencing in unexplained weight gain check in with your doctor it could be something else it could be thyroid issues but if you were to do an experiment and i know this is going to have been done on a previous episode in relation to fiber and how much you should be aimed for if you were to drink uh, two eight ounces cups of water and then weigh yourself your weight will go up by one pound so if you were to do it fasted with nothing in your body and weigh yourself and then have two eight ounce uh, cups of water uh, and weigh yourself you've got you probably go up by a pound but it, it isn't muscle gain it isn't fat gain it's not it's it's literally water weight and as soon as that water goes through your system that extra pound will probably go away and this is what we call water weight 
so this may happen around at a certain time of the month for some women that they may feel a little bit more bloated a little bit more uh, residual water around their body a little bit more puffy should be the word and that can happen as well a little bit more sodium which is salt and that holds on to water so carbohydrates can hold on to water three to four grams depending on where you read the research but that doesn't necessarily it's not fat gain it's it's literally water weight it's completely normal we all have it and it's and then you've got kind of fiber so if you are going from not eating a whole lot of fiber like whole grain foods rice uh whole grain bread that's a high fiber foods like fruit and veggies and stuff and if you start eating a a, a decent amount of them going from maybe 10 grams on average to say 25 grams on average there are numbers i picked out of my head they're not based off any numbers you you may feel that you get maybe get a little bit more constipated and because of the, the increase in fiber and that whereas you could have a laxative effect also so there's two elements that could happen uh, i've seen it more often and not that with people that they would get a little bit more laxative effect on things and the constipation could be likely due to the that if you're not drinking enough water alongside it and gradually the gradually increase the amount of liquid that you consume as you add more fiber to your diet to limit the risk of constipation um along with the bloating and the gas the bloating a glass is generally the first thing i remember talking to a, a talking to someone or a client a little while ago and they're kind of like i can't stop farting i was like yeah it's completely normal you you've, you're adding more fiber and it will calm down farting's natural anyway we all do it i don't care what anyone says we all do it so yeah i wouldn't worry about it too much it will calm down but if you're got i would i would go for small incremental changes with your fiber intake rather than going from zero to 25 if you know what i mean don't go don't go massively so there was a study of participants that reported uh, an extra pound of of uh, for every two grams of fiber they consumed of weight loss uh they consumed daily over the course of a 21 study um so fiber is actually really really filling as well alongside the protein so if you want like the whole point of if you look at most people's definition of what a diet is it probably means suffering and hunger and stuff like that's not what we're trying to do it's really really not what we're trying to do at all so it's important for you to have fiber in your diet it's important to have protein protein into your diet but if you look at like an example of a cup of blackberries is almost eight grams of fiber a cup of oatmeal is about four grams a cup of lentils has about 16 grams so like if you got those into your day you're already probably hitting your target like my breakfast probably nearly hits my recommended target in and around 16 to 18 so there's a little bit more left and then my lunch hits it straight away so one way to do it would be smoothies i wouldn't worry about the sugar content smoothies it's literally like being worried being worried about bankrupt by about 10 cents but like if you are worried about kind of like the water attention it could be just the increased bloating a little bit more gas from going from not a whole lot to a lot it could be constipation so increase your water and if, the, if you're not going to the bathroom every two days then i would potentially look and talking to a pharmacist or a doctor to see if that's regular for you you could use prune juice to help you it may not taste too hot but it's it can benefit so you may find that it got the the, the fiber may increase it but if you're within your calorie allowance or calorie range then you should be all right but if the problem is persisting and there's unexplained weight gain or things aren't stagnating you may need to either look talk to your doctor one 
you may need to look are you being inherent with your diet or are you consuming a lot of fiber compared to what you had been and that could be a cause in the bloating called a little bit more residual water weight in your body and that could be at play as well so hopefully that helps the next question was in relation to should i have a fats target it depends uh on where the client is coming from um so the macros that macros are generally carbohydrates fats and proteins are the main ones that you would have heard about and generally generally depending on the client that i have if someone's a beginner i won't just give them a macro i'll only give them calories and protein if they are counting calories generally okay so with fats so fats are really really important to your body they get this crappy media attention that fats are going to make you fat don't they don't you need to be in a consistent surplus of calories which is eating more than your body needs on a consistent basis that's exactly what's going to make you fat fats are not going to make you fat that's a fact so anyone that says different they're lying to you so fats are really important to the body particularly for hormonal health they improve cell signaling they help to help hormones to help immune system they help protect the immune system they help to absorb certain vitamins they help to produce recovery hormones as well they also are a slower releasing form of calories into your body so they're a little bit more higher in calories for every one gram is nine calories compare that to protein which is one gram equals four calories and carbs equals one gram equals four calories so fats are about one gram every nine calories but they're slower digesting which means that they're going to keep you fuller for longer so if you may notice with white starchy carbohydrates there's nothing wrong with them that if when you have them you may be quite uh, hungry shortly after with protein and fats it may be a little bit slower releasing into the body so you'll be fuller for longer and ultimately if you're fuller for longer there's less likelihood of eating so fat health benefits satiety which i've spoken about palatability they taste pretty decent and then you've got the likes that they improve blood lipid profiles and cardiovascular disease risk they also are beneficial for production in testosterone which is the male hormone they've got progesterone which is really really important it's your calming hormone so happens the second time of your cycle and then estrogen which is your female hormone as well so it's really really important for that as well and has it can have an impact on body composition uh, mood and libido so fats are good eat some fats the only ones that i'd be cautious of realistically are the, are the man-made ones which are like the likes of trans fats they're called which are the likes of margarines and stuff they're the ones i'd be mindful of listen to my language i haven't said take them out i haven't said avoid them i said be mindful of that's what we're aiming for and then the optimal requirements for health research is so lacking on this it's improving but for so long in the media there was a lack of funding in this area and there was a lack of because the media said fat is bad it's not bad it's really really not bad they're really important they have their recommendations but would I recommend going very low fat diets, less than 15%? Long term, no. And chronically, no, it could have negative impacts on the body and hormonal health. I know when I'm working with clients who recover from HA or improving fertility, fats are one of the things that we kind of really drive for on that side of things. Then if we're aiming for 
like the recommend the RDA that they kind of put out there is about 15%. But that might seem a little bit low or a little bit high. So there's not way there's not one way to kind of set a target. Uh, I wouldn't if you if you've got if if you're a woman anything in and around 40 to 50 grams a day is pretty safe place to aim for if you are going for your macros depending on your weight obviously depending on where you're at but 45 to 50 grams is a pretty safe option um it obviously depends on your weight but if you think about it like 50 grams is gonna it's gonna be about 450 calories for your day so it depends like it really really does depend i wouldn't go very low um i would just aim to get enough for what your body needs everyone's body is going to be completely different some people prefer fats some people prefer protein and lower carb or higher carb higher protein i personally prefer um carbs over fats uh, I know when I have done my macros previously, fats was the one I struggled to get in. Um, my body, I just feel lethargic after them um, compared to carbohydrates. Carbohydrates, I feel energized after them. Everyone's very, very different on that side of things. So would I aim for less than, aim for chronically less than 15% of your body weight per kg? No, long-term, no. Um, a safe place to kind of aim for for women anyway is about... 45 to 50 obviously depends on your weight your body weight all that kind of stuff so it really really does depend and it's it's so like if we were to kind of recommend to be if you're general population kind of like like if you're a bodybuilder probably be 25 to 45 percent if you're kind of like a cyclist be about 22 percent and if you're kind of like 15 to 80 percent kind of for everyone else but 80% seems very very high on that side of things um, like I wouldn't worry about fats fats are class fats are good you need fats in your in your diet and it's just that they're very easy to overeat because they can be quite tasty so if you may notice that when your mood goes low or you're hungover you got they're quite highly palatable which means they're tasty as hell so you may go for those a little bit more so the numbers and ranges I've given you aren't set in concrete. They're not diagnosis. They're literally rough ranges. It's finding what works for you. Your total calorie intake over, over a consistent base of time is what's more important than protein will be really, really important as well on that side of things to hold on to muscle health. Um, the last question is in relation to staying motivated for exercise and sleep um, and hunger is increased during night shifts this is completely normal that's completely normal um a lot of people do struggle with this and i've heard people say the most idiotic things of like stop having a night shift job it's kind of like well if we didn't have people who work night shifts the economy would go to shit so that's not helpful so um with with sleep sleep's really important like if we don't get enough sleep into our body or our sleep routine is slightly off our hunger hormones go into overdrive our fullness hormones down regulate so that makes us more hungrier 
and we're looking for those quicker foods like i've spoken about the higher palatable foods the tastier foods like carbohydrates more fatty foods more sugary foods to get a quick source of energy you may come up with a sentence of i'm craving sugar you're not craving sugar what's happening is your body's looking for the your brain's kicked in and said i need the quickest source of energy and your brain associates that with the sugar the carbohydrates which are sugars um more sugary foods, more palatable foods. That's what they're looking for realistically. And your brain, once it gets that, it lights up this epicenter in your brain. And then you need more of it because your energy is going to drop and you need more of it to kind of keep it up at that consistent level. And that's where that overeating pattern can happen for an awful lot of people when they get tired or fatigued or hungover or PMS. So I know I've spoken about that so much on the podcast. One of the biggest things I would say is you need to keep some sort of routine 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 is the biggest thing i think it's episode 162 is on on how to manage shift work but one of the things i would say is eat as normal during the day if you've got a night shift eat before your night shift with higher protein foods that will keep you fuller for longer add in more veggies more fats all that side of stuff have some protein snacks with you relation to caffeine so caffeine stays in the body for 12 hours Okay, so if you're having coffee at 12 o'clock in the day or 12 o'clock at night, it's going to be in your body at 12 o'clock in the day. Yes, you are 100%, 100% tired. It's normal to be tired on a night shift. But what essentially what is happening is every time you have caffeine, it is going to latch onto these receptors that kind of kind of attach onto caffeine okay or caffeine attaches onto it should i say and every time you have a cup of coffee and that energy drops you're going to need even more caffeine to get the same response again so it's this vicious circle of you need to feed the monster even more to get caffeine and get the same response out of it so caffeine well can you make can make you more tired having these energy highs and lows energy highs and lows so if you are having coffee on a night shift or if you're preparing for a night shift is I would probably aim to, I'm not going to give you a cutoff, but I would probably aim to kind of afternoon would probably be the latest I would have it. Because then at least then you are giving yourself a best opportunity to sleep after your night shift. Blackout blinds in your room, off your phone when you come back, get back into your normal routine as possible and sleep when you can. That is the biggest thing. Sleep when you can. Um, so if your room hasn't got blackout blinds, I would recommend it. If your phone is in your room when you come back or all you're doing is scrolling and having cups of coffee when you come back after your night shift, you're not going to be able to sleep. You're not going to be motivated. Think about it. When you're tired, you're not motivated. But we also can't leave it up to motivation. It's important for you to maybe create some sort of routine for yourself the next day. Is like maybe a sentence of what's the minimum I can do today? It could be just going for a half an hour walk. It could be potentially cooking a few meals. It could be going to the shop to get some of those like Nutri-Quick meals and those ready-made meals that could help you. If you don't like cooking, potentially batch cook before your shift could help you as well. But eat before your shift. It will reduce the picking, reduce the snacking in the evening. Reducing your caffeine could help and increasing your water could help you. Um, But it's hard. It is hard. I'm not going to downplay night shifts are hard. I remember doing silly shifts. They were night shifts, but they were very, very long days. And you, you, you don't function. Your brain fog goes. Your thought process blurs. Your get brain fog. You get lethargic. You don't want to do anything. Uh, mental health can be an awesome impact because you're not getting that natural light into your brain and light, light into your body. So hopefully that helps. But 
I think it's episode 162 or 167, I think. So, iron, talk to your doctor. More important, fiber protein. Depends on the goal. Will fiber increase water retention? It can. But I wouldn't really worry about it. If you are getting unexplained weight gain, go to your doctor. Hard to stay motivated for exercise and sleep. It's completely normal. I, I, I get it. I really do. And should I have a fat target? Uh, don't go below 15%. Trans fats are the ones to watch out for. You need fats in your diet. Omegas and stuff like that, the likes of oily fish, you need those in your diet. So I would highly encourage you to supplement with omegas if you're not getting two pieces of oily fish in a week. You need fats in your diet. It helps with so much, so much more things. A target, I know I've kind of flown around a, three, a few numbers. It depends on the individual. It really, really does. Um, But generally depending on the weight it's kind of like of the individual particularly for girls for hormone health or women for hormone health anywhere around 45 to 50 grams is a safe number more or less it depends on the individual depends how you feel they're not set in stone they're not in sentence in kind of like they're not death sentences if you know what i mean so hopefully that has helped you guys if you have enjoyed the episode please do tag me up on your story please do share it amongst your friends and if there's anything in that that you have any questions on, please let me know. Always go for medical advice first. Listen to medical advice in relation to supplementation with regarding iron and stuff like that. Previously, if there's any medical conditions on top of it, they need, need and medications that you're on, they need to be taken into account. So hopefully you guys have enjoyed the episode and the Q&A today.